Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. We're doing another interview segment, although this interview segment is probably going to be more unique than others in the sense that we're actually bringing on a team of editors of, of a new publication. So we can talk a little bit about the you know day in the life of an editor or what they have to do, maybe what they're doing with the particular publication, learn something. Maybe it'll be a, a new market for you or uh, things you can tell your other friends about. So I'm pretty excited about this. I'm hoping we can do more like this. Uh, once we get some more brave souls. In the meantime, we got two brave souls here. That's uh, Leanne uh, Denman and uh, uh, Rich uh, uh, Boucher. Uh, how you doing there, folks? And they are the editors of Bonfire Lit. Hi, Mark. Hey, Mark. Thank We're doing great. Thank you very Thanks much for, for joining us and, and, and being brave, brave in us. It, it's hard enough anyway with schedules and times and all that stuff. I mean, I'm putting this thing together, and I'm literally talking to Leanne about I'm not sure if it's one hour or three hours. I'm not sure of this and that. I mean, I, I can't even believe the many things I said that I wasn't sure about because I hadn't done a show before like this in a time zone situation where we're actually changing the time on top of that. So I don't know why I didn't realize how complicated that was going to be. But uh, one of the strengths of the show and, and, and one of my weaknesses of the show is that uh, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm way too fearless and just move stuff and go and do it and then later on go, oh, my God, what am I doing? But it's one of the things that tends to work out, so I'm I'm happy. It's really really good to be here, and we really appreciate the opportunity, Mark. Well, and it's great to have two people. The last time I did two people, they uh, they sort of shared the earbud and they did a little bit something different. It still worked out, but you guys were really clear on it, so you're probably a little more tech savvy than other folks are, which is which is always wonderful. Well, it's good to hear. <laughs> Now, for, for full disclosure, not because this is truly necessary, because it's not like I'm doing anything that's untoward over here, but these wonderful folks did uh, publish one of my uh, flash fiction pieces. Uh, it doesn't mean anything beyond that. I'm very happy that it got published. God knows I've been trying to get it published all year. But it was to me, it was just a, also another invitation of, hey, they're doing something interesting and unique. I like what they're trying to do. Maybe they'll be willing to come on the show. You wouldn't believe how many times I say this or have this idea and how many times you get turned down. So it's a welcome blessing to have someone say, yeah, I wouldn't mind. We were, we loved it. We loved your flash fiction. And it's interesting that you mentioned unique because that is what we're going for. That is one of our goals to do the weird and unusual. Yeah. Very attention grabbing. And and I, and I really, I really like that because most times, because I mean, as an editor of myself of Aerial Chart, I can't really put in the um, the guidelines about, you know, I'm looking for the eccentric or I'm looking for the bizarre, I'm looking for the weird, because that's when I get the, the, the gay purple alien story or, or the Loch Ness Monster who wants to rob the bank. Or, or my favorite one, Batman, who doesn't need Robin, but, but needs a laser beam gun or something. 
So uh, people kind of go farther than I like them to be. So I kind of kept it the way it is. And, you know, I hope to God I get something that would be unique and, you know, eclectic. But you guys, uh, I, I see how you've done that. And I, I really liked it. That's when I, when I first saw it. I'm like, maybe this piece could fit. And uh, look at that. I was right. Well, one of our guidelines is that it should be attention grabbing and demand your attention and hold it throughout the entire piece. And your piece fit that criteria perfectly. Yeah, I, I was really happy with it, but I, I cannot tell you how many rejections I have. I think it was like either 16 or 17 over the course of this year. So I actually have a story about my first rejection I had to send out, and it was not easy. It was probably the hardest thing um, that I had to do so far was send out that first rejection email. It's a, It's not a fun thing to do. Well, I give you a lot of credit because too many publications, it's one of the things I preach on a regular basis, they do this soulless form letter thing. I really think it's, it does a disservice to writers. I don't see how it helps literature. I'm not suggesting that you have all the time in the world to write three pages of somebody about you rejected something. But you could say something in a line or two, maybe even something possibly constructive. It's not hard to do. And so many don't do it. So I'm happy to hear that because... It's what my magazine specializes in. We say something. I like to, in, in the rejections I send out, I encourage them to keep submitting because our 30-day period of having to wait does not include rejections, only acceptance. So oh, I, always try to, I always try to encourage them to keep submitting. Yeah, that would be something really if positive. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think anyone does that, actually, when I think about it. I don't really think anyone does it in that, that sort of fashion. So that, that's great. You know, coming from um, a vantage point of being a poet who has submitted uh, many submissions to poetry journals and then having I've been on the receiving end of a lot of rejections, and I have, um, it's it's definitely great feedback to hear um, your perspective on it, Mark, because uh, I, I know what it feels like to have a, a rejection come back and have the rejection seem so robotic that that you almost doubt that somebody actually even looked at the work because of it, because of how clinical and robotic and cold the rejection is. So when we, when we, when we look at work together um, as a team, um, we're, we're always of a mind of, of um, remembering that the person who submitted this is a person. They have, they have their own aspirations. Um, and so, um, if and when it becomes necessary to send something out that's a rejection, it, for us, it's not clinical. For us, it's not cold. For us, there's a human being on the other end of that, of the, on the other end of that path. I, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Especially, it's really why I created my own uh, journal uh, four years ago, not because I, I was so interested in, uh, you know, having my name at the top of something, but because I was tired of being. Uh, an associate or an assistant editor of publications where it did seem like to me that uh, they wasn't taking the, the submissions seriously. I couldn't even tell half the times if they were really reading them or not. And then most of the times they were front-loading the issue with a bunch of their friends and relatives and whoever the head of the department said they had to put in there, which means that if you had 28 slots, now maybe you have 18 so already uh, half the magazine is being put on by folks that have they gone through the process? What was there just other than knowing somebody? So 
when things like that are done, and then you're putting out these 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 soulless form letters, to me, it, it's almost like you're so in suspicion. People don't really know if they even being read or not, uh, because there's no real contact going on. Uh, in, in fact, I, I've had some that actually accepted me, and they still gave me the same type of letter. I'm like, really? Even my acceptance letter is soulless? So uh, you, you have to wonder about that, and I, I don't really think we should do that to people because it, it really, I really, I think it works against their own uh, confidence and, and creativity, and, and maybe in many ways, you know, it works against literature as a whole because it, it just makes it be like you were just saying, something that's robotic. I would think art would be the anti-robot, you know? Yeah, uh, and, and um, you know, we use the word robotic. We think about, um, and a lot of times, artists, writers, people who compose flash fiction, they write poetry. Maybe they're a visual artist. Uh, when they're sending their submissions out, um, an expression we all we all we often hear is that they're sending their work out into quote the void. And I think for us, um, we want to be actual shelter inside of that void the void is this vast uh, vacuum right and so when you send your work out and it lands at the desk of editors uh, of, a, of a literary publication or an online publication of arts um, the goal I didn't you know in the mind of the person the submitter is I hope I land on some shelter in this void this this howling darkness and for us um, even while we're looking for really out of the ordinary, whether it's visual arts, flash fiction, or poetry, um, our stance and our posture is that as shelter for it. So, um, and, that, and that's, I think that's how I sort of bookend um, what we're talking about here. Just this is, we we represent and encourage submissions, um, and we want to be some light and some shelter in that void. We strive to be more personal about our responses. And I really think it, that's not only wonderful, I really think that something like that should be spreading out some more. Because like I said, I, I talk to a lot of editors behind the scenes, which I'm surprised because I'm surprised they even talk to me since we often disagree on a great amount of things, including some of the subjects we're talking about right now, where they're like, uh, Mark, we can't hold people's hands. I'm like, listen, if they want a Caesar to put his thumb up or down, they could watch the movie The Gladiator. They're looking for an editor which means that somebody that has a little bit more compassion and just send them some stupid thing that's boilerplate they got off the internet somewhere. Yeah, exactly. So I, well, that's what I wanted to do anyway. I wanted to be a little bit more than just another jerk out there. So, And I'm glad you guys <laughs> are doing the same thing. <laughs> we, we, we're definitely, uh, our, our posture is certainly uh, anti-jerk. <laughs> thank God, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, because I think one day if I had an interview with somebody that's like that and they still want to have the interview, it's probably going to be a tough one because I'm, I'm not going to be very very understanding of some of the ideas and some of the things they do. <laughs> we're, we're really relaxed. Um, like We have our submission guidelines up um, because you have to to be considered a, a literary magazine. Um, but even if somebody makes a mistake and, and sends too many or – or makes a mistake on their on their submission. I still read their submission, and sometimes we publish something from that submission that had a mistake according to the guidelines. Like it's it's not really like people make mistakes, and if the work is really good, we can overlook that. 
Yeah, with a with a you know, we'll give them a little nudge saying, you know, uh, great work. Just noticed um, this here uh, point point of information for submission guidelines for going forward in the future. Uh, we still like this work, and we're we're interested in in piece X or um, flash fiction Y. Uh, please bear in mind this particular aspect that you might have missed on the submission going forward. Let's have a conversation about publishing work. And we work through typos. We'll, we'll respond about typos and confirm if it was a typo or not and fix it. That, that, is, that is good. I, I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're willing to do that. Lots of folks are not. I, I try not to put together guidelines for the aerial chart that, uh, that are too um, – too strict and because you know I, I've seen and you probably have seen this two guidelines where every other uh, statement is punctuated with and this will be rejected if you mm -hmm. get if you give us a font one point beyond what we need this will be rejected you know what I mean if you don't use a Mac with a pink cover on it we will reject you you know all this <laughs> all this crazy stuff and I'm like what the hell that has to do with with literature if if I give you a PDF versus a, a, a doc form now we're talking about technology. I thought we were supposed to be about art. Technology is supposed mm -hmm. to be serving us. We're not supposed to be serving technology. So some of that stuff I see people do, I, I, I always hit the editors when we talk about it. I'm like, can you guys like lessen some of that crap? I understand some of it could be useful in how you correlate your, all your submissions and everything, but there's a point where it's getting silly. You know, you're dictating to the font now? I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. I've seen that too, especially as a writer who's submitted work where people have fairly stringent uh, requirements regarding how they want, say, for instance, a, a uh, .docx file formatted. Um, and if that's their posture, fine, that's that's their posture. Uh, we try to be a bit more flexible about it. Bear in mind, of course, that um, you know, uh, if they, if if somebody should happen to submit and something that's fairly obvious in the, in the submission guidelines is missed twice, well, then that becomes a different conversation, of course. Um, but generally speaking, we're trying to be really flexible here because our what we want this to be is an outlet. Uh, it's either going to be – you're either an outlet or you're, you're a barrier. What do you want to be? And Bombfire, we want to be able to publish work, especially if it's something that's on fire. We want it. It's really the attitude that more editors should have out there. You know, I, I say this all the time, especially to the to the crowd that I speak to who also run a lot of these publications. I go, is there any way possible you can give these people some impression that you'd like to publish more of what you're seeing versus less? Because when you give them this, I'm just going through the stuff that I hate and then I'll finally get to the stuff I love. No one wants to hear that. It, it's not exactly very inspiring. Not to mention, what does that really mean then? Does this mean that your whole process is one of, of elimination versus one of trying to find something wonderful? Yeah, and I and I and to that point, Mark, I I love that you kind of you arrived at the word process because that's something that uh, Leanne and I have been having a conversation about prior to going into today's interview. That whole idea of process and our our unique chemistry, our uh, process for bringing work into Bombfire, what we what we have carefully arrived at for a process, is uh, with that still with that mindset of, of publishing work that is just really really on fire, and process for us is uh, integral to it. Well, it, it definitely uh, it definitely makes sense to me because 
it seems to me that the the best editors, and there's still a lot of them out there, um, a lot of them don't want to be on the show yet, but uh, I'm hoping to get them as, as, as writers, if not editors then. Uh, but I, I stay in contact with them. Thank God they, they stay in contact with me. But I, I find that the, the best ones ha- have figured out a way uh, to somehow uh, be honest to, to the, those that they're speaking to out there, whether it's a little note or, you know, I know a guy that puts a, a post-it note out that uh, that he, he puts a little things that he says. So I said all of those things, they make a difference. I can't tell you how many writers who told me privately, I'm having such a crappy day and I get this thing. In, in the mail, because some some of them are still doing snail mail too, and he got a little post-it note on it, and, and he's saying even when he rejected the work, he had a lot of interesting things to say, and even some positive things to say. Even that helps make a, a writer's day. Sometimes can help them move even forward when they might have felt that they can't move forward. So we could be helping not only art, but you know you might be able to help somebody's mental well-being sometimes. And I'll take note of that for sure, because I like hearing that kind of stuff. So I can also feed on that for what I do. Yeah, it, it really does make a difference. And I, I always tell editors all the time, some of the problem is your terminology. Remember, words have meaning, they, they have consequences, and they have impact. So when you're calling the stuff that's being sent to you sludge, okay, and you're, you're calling the percentage that you uh published i don't know less than five percent when you're saying stuff like this you know you're not only diminishing their hopes but in many ways you're almost like setting your own prophecy what you're going to do in the future yeah i'm going to cut out 95 percent of these boneheads and i don't like any of this stuff and blah 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 i mean i mean how is any of that going to be inspirational how is any of that positive and how do you really find the quality what if the quality was in that batch, it was like 35% quality. What do you do then? Do you change your numbers? Do you change your attitude? Do you just get rid of it anyway because you're stuck on a, a particular figure? I mean, when do you actually start being human? That's a great uh, point to bring up, Mark, especially because it, it, it kind of circles right back to process for us. Um, you know, we, we uh, Leanne and I split up the duties between who really edits uh, and distills for what's going to appear in Bombfire. And, and my role is, of course, the poetry part. That's that's the the kind of art we have coming into Bombfire that I focus on. And we're really we're really trying to be encouraging. I get that there's there's um, better ways that artists can and editors can describe what they won't accept. You know, maybe to say instead, I have a bar that I'm looking for, and and and, and then maybe describe that in the submission guidelines for poetry, for instance. For us, we have this whole distillery process. We, it, I really think of it like that. It's a distillery. The poetry first is coming in, and Leanne will take a look at what we're getting in for writing. And we're not, and now we're just speaking about poetry. We're going to come to um, flash fiction and visual art here in a moment. But for poetry, first it has it has to meet her bar, and if it actually is up to um, snuff with what she's looking for, then she'll take the very best. Again, we're wording, avoiding words like sludge and less than, those kind of things. She'll take the very best of what she's been submitted, and then that gets to my desk. And I, then I pick from the very best that I think was from the best that she thought. And so by the end, that twice-distilled process, what appears on Bonfire, has had two pairs of eyes uh, and ears uh, very carefully considerate. And, that, and, that's, and we do that to care about it. 
And really, it's it's not for me so much of a, what's bad versus good. It's it's what fits with the theme I'm looking for for the website. Yeah, and and that makes sense, and and it's still an honorable way to go, especially if it's something that has already been enunciated out in the in the world about this is the slant that we want to be dedicated to, whether it's this episode or just the whole life of the magazine. At least they 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 know they could try to tailor something. Uh, submit to it and, and if, when people do enough research it really does help which we talk about a lot because not all of this is about editors being being careless or, or, or being you know uh, unemotional it's also about uh, writers sending things to where they should go I mean you, you shouldn't send mm-hmm. a male-centered poem to a, a magazine that's all about women I mean that's just dumb just like sending a straight poem to a gay publication that says, I only want gay material. It shows that you have no respect, you're not doing any research, and, and therefore you, you almost deserve the you know the rejection out, out of hand. So we have, as writers, some responsibility in that too. I, I just remind them that you know you can beat up these editors, and, and sometimes they deserve to get beat up, but do not forget about your responsibility as well, because it's there too, and... I find that some folks are lacking in that. Some folks are. I, I think that, I mean, and I, I I say this, I'll offer a personal mea culpa. You know, in, in many years ago when I started submitting work out, um, there were one or two times in, in my youth where I might have done, I could have done more research in what I sent out. I did get messages back, emails or letters from an editor saying, um, it doesn't really look like you have carefully looked at through our issues to see what we're actually interested in publishing. It really doesn't look like you did. Uh, we'd recommend you do. We see potential in you, but we'd like to have your next submission really show evidence that you've actually done your homework and looked at what our magazine is all about. Um, and that's and so it's, it's a everyone's kind of on both sides of the blade. Submitters are on both sides of the blade with their responsibility to do their research, and editors are on uh, both sides of the plate, because the editors have to make sure that it's clear what they're looking for. And when we put up on our submit page uh, guidelines for what to submit, specifically within, with what we want to read, what we want to see, what we want to read for poetry and flash fiction, um, I, I feel it's really clear on there how dynamic, how vibrant, and how explosive uh, the material is that we want and that we want to give a, give a platform to. I definitely believe it is for for bonfire anyway. One of the the complaints that writers can have, and I know I've had them myself before, is we don't want to appear like we're submitting stuff blindly, like we just don't care. But, you know, there's been a lot of publications where the guidelines, they seem to be more about technology than they do about anything else. So in in many ways, they're vague. So you are sending something, guessing or, 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 or risking or gambling, and you don't want to do that, but if you still want to submit to that, sometimes that's all you can do because you could read a past issue and still not get what the heck they want. Yeah, that's that's the gamble of it all. I mean, some of this is, is kind of a dice toss, especially when you consider that there are so many magazines out there that when you go to, say, for instance, just as a pulling something out of thin air here, if you go to Duotrope and you took a look at the uh, market listings for them, in some magazines, when you go to the listing for the journal or the online publication, sometimes what the stated intent of the magazine is could be clearer 
But then sometimes it's it's so clear that you're not you're not really having to do too too much in the way of research because they've made it uh, really clear. Sometimes they were vague, and if they're vague, well then you do your best by actually looking through maybe issue one, issue two, issue three. Spend your time with the online journals. I think that it would behoove anybody who's interested, obviously, in submitting to Bombfire, to pay a visit. Uh, look through the visual art. Look through the flash fiction. Take a look at the poetry. And then, of course, contrast that with what we have on our submission page uh, and the state admission of it. Uh, research is always good. It never hurts to do the research. That's never a bad thing. It really isn't. So I definitely recognize that uh, yeah, both sides of this sort of uh, debate you know, have their have their issues and, and have their uh, their pros and, and their cons. I, I just think at the end of the day, though, uh, more than the writer, you know, the editor is supposed to be able to, you know, to try to be as much above the fray as possible. And I think sometimes as editors, you know, we have a lot of folks out there that either don't take their their title and, and their responsibilities seriously enough and, and cause damage or uh, to, to them, it's really uh, they don't have to be an editor. They, they really just want to be adjudicator. And uh, to me, uh, to be an editor is more than just being some judge. You have to be more than that. Well, I definitely don't think of myself as a judge. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> um, I think uh, it, it for me, it's really fun. It's just also so much fun doing something like this and creating a platform where people can can submit stuff that they love and i know that what i'm getting in the email is is something that they loved and that they worked hard on and i treat it with respect yeah that's i want to uh sort of piggyback off of what leanne said too because on our submission page if you were to go to our submission page we can literally spell out look we're looking for weird surreal funny spooky beautiful dreamy and blends of these things, things in combination, maybe something that's spooky but also beautiful, maybe something that's really dreamy, but it's also kind of funny. Maybe there's a lot of humor happening there. And we also say we don't stop at that. We say, well, that's fine. We want these things. We would love a blend of this, some kind of mix uh, of, of all these elements. But we also want your very best of it, too. We, we want to make sure that what we're getting is something that's clearly your, your best in your final draft, not maybe sort of the, the initial idea of it. But the, we want your final conclusion. We want what you actually arrived at as an artist uh, in these elements. Uh, definitely because an end goal of this is enjoyment. We want people who come to the website to really, really, really enjoy and remember what they saw or read. Yeah, I really I really like a lot of what I read, and I was happy to see that. And, that, and that, to me, whenever I get that kind of connection of happiness, it always means that, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. Uh, when you read material that you, you feel is in line with whatever you sent out and got accepted as well, then you're like, "Yeah, hey, I'm in, I'm in I'm in this club now." That's how you know uh, that. Then not only did you make a connection there, but they made a connection to to you as well. Because you know sometimes you can get something accepted, and then later on you check it out and you're like, "You know, I'm happy with that." But wow, it seems so distinctly different than everybody else's stuff. I mean, did they just pick me for the heck of it? Versus when you're like, yeah, I see what they were trying to do. That's what I liked about Bonfire is I saw what you were trying to uh, promote out there uh, throughout the work. And, and to me, it made a lot of sense. And I'm like, yeah, I fit here. That's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, that is wonderful to hear, Mark. It really, really is. 
Well, it's not easy in, in many instances to, to get people to accept things that are a little off kilter. I mean, because when you're putting together a, a flash fiction piece, it's quite short, and you can't get all—you can't really get along the philosophy behind what it is to help defend it. Listen, I'm not praising bad people. I'm saying, what happens if somebody is considered bad? They're really a rebel. They're really not actually bad in the classic sense of the word. So, what do you what do you think about that and, and, and how they view life and all that and just put it into a flash fiction piece, something that kind of provokes a bit without being, you know, outrageous. You wouldn't believe how many reactions I got of it. What the hell are you doing? You got the world falling apart right now, Mark, and you're writing this crap? I mean, that's the kind of things I used to get back from that. I'm like, oh, Lord. So that's, I mean, some of that to me sounds as though it might really reflect on kind of the, the worldview that a specific spectator, reader, or editor has. Uh, but artists can only really create art from inside of the world that they're experiencing. And if, and if they take something to a level that is, say, 10 people agree that something's outrageous, well, 10 people agree that something's outrageous. But that's also where your intent and craft come in, too. Uh, I would much rather have uh, receive a poem uh, that is challenging, uh, maybe not as – I mean, I, like, I really like really outrageous work myself, but I also want evidence of craft. If somebody is writing something just because that what they're going for is shock value, uh, well, that's something I've I've been at decades and decades ago when I was a kid. Uh, we're looking for we're looking for something well past. Um, I know how to make something that causes shock. That's that's really we're looking for something more advanced and developed than that. Um, that's kind of where where we're standing with. Oh, yeah, and I definitely can uh, see that and, and read that, and I was happy to be a, a part of that. But sometimes that's what happens when when you even put out what you feel is solid craft, and in the end you're really only being uh, judged or turned away because the content of it kind of like, I don't know, either turned them off or you know just twisted their nose in a, in a different joint. Even though, and, and you already know since you published the, the work I did, there really isn't anything in there that you can actually point out as being, quote, controversial, but it still made people upset. You know, and that's that's because and, and that's because no matter how uh, controversial a piece is or no matter how uh, how avant garde a posture is that a magazine may take, there's always going to be some people who who are going to put their own blinders on a piece of writing, a flash fiction, poetry, or a visual art. There are always going to be those people who um, have their blinders up first before actually really reading the work, before sitting down with it, reading it, and then thinking about it, before deciding I'm going to impose, superimpose my blinders on a piece of work. Um, when, we, when we say that we want work where in, in the terms of flash fiction and poetry, we want work where it's going to be really obvious that when you when you first read the first couple of lines of it, that you've got to know how this is going to wrap up. And that's, of course, how it was with, with your work, uh, Mark, and the work that we're publishing. The goal is to publish work where no matter how outrageous it goes, no matter how controversial, no matter how um, strange the narrative is or the or the orientation of the story is what we want to do is, is share work with the world 
where even on that first sentence, first couple of sentences, the reader has just got to know how this is going to wrap up. And, and it really definitely helps when it concerns the flash fiction. I mean, I, to me, that's that's like, you know, if I was to teach a course, that that would be pretty much what I would say in, in your words, uh, that um, before you even finish the middle body or the end of the story, if, if you don't have that that good first two lines uh, hook to get them in, you already failed. So you have to work on that for anything else. We like to, uh, like I said before, have our attention demanded by the piece. And um, and that kind of goes along with how we want to publish pieces that are unforgettable. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely all for that. Uh, not only writing that, but also um, publishing that. You don't always get that. And I, because I don't have the same theme as you folks have when, when I have my my journal out there, aerial chart, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hit and missing on that sometimes, and I, and I'm okay with that because you have people have different levels of talent, different uh, spheres of influence, and even different cultures that are that are intermingling in the in the magazine. Mm -hmm. So not everything is gonna be able to to hit out of the park, and I'm okay with that as long as it's still art, as long as it's still something that that's interesting and you know has something to say. But, uh, yeah, you always hope to get that, and when you do, you can always tell the difference right away. You know, I got some stuff that I'm doing here in November that I'm, like, you know, extremely pleased with, and and I'm very happy that, you know, that they, they chose us because that's definitely the example of, yeah, that, that got my attention, and, and I know that if it got my attention, it, it's definitely going to get other people's attention. We have a comment section on each piece, too, where people can go in there and say things, so... They get a lot of good feedback that that as well as just from the editor, but from the readers too. It's interesting you say uh, cultural because we've recently uh, started publishing people from other countries. So keeping the theme in mind of attention grabbing is is very broad, so that we can feature um, people from all over the world. And and I'm definitely glad because the internet really gives you that. That kind of window on the world that wasn't so easy even 25 or 30 years ago. So it, it really is a, a way to have technology service art and, and, and use it in such a way that people can, you know, connect to each other and, and read things they never did before. We, we published a poem last month from a guy from South Sudan. It's the newest country in the United Nations, the newest one on the planet. Uh, just coming from a long civil war and they're trying to build their their country back up and, and do something wonderful for themselves and you know I have a top 10 on the on the magazine so uh, if enough people read something the computer calculates that and puts it into you know from from 10 to 1 on the readership so this guy over the course of last month he literally hit number one because so many people were interested in what he had to say it was a, a poem that I guess you could say it felt like the the old the old-fashioned farm days, like the Dust Bowl in the United States, that kind of theme where somebody has to work literally the, you know, the ground, and if they don't do well, they don't feed their family. I mean, it, but it's just incredible, and, and people really responded to that. Mm -hmm. That that's that's something I, I definitely wanted to chime in and talk about was the that um, the breadth, the sheer breadth and variety, because. Of the fact that this is a this winds up through the internet being a global enterprise, uh, is 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 really um, something marvelous to behold and, and to take in and to really absorb that that's happening. When we 
go to the go to the panel uh, that Leanne checks out to see where submissions are coming from and seeing all these different countries. And then we get a, we'll get a submission maybe from the very same state that we might live in. And then, of course, there's a, a submission from the UK or Ireland or Portugal or China. Uh, these or these, and we're seeing also not just submissions, but hits. People checking Bombfire online from all over the world, which is an amazing thing, especially considering how young this magazine is. And I did want to circle back for a second, Mark, to talk about just our goal, because I did want to quote something that you wrote in your flash fiction piece, uh, "Ballad for the Bad Guy," which which really answers the proposition we put in our submission page about making us want to read this to the end, get us by the throat and hold us there, make sure that this fuse is actually lit. And when we saw your piece, the very first sentence, when I watch television, I usually root for the bad guy. Got to find out what this person's going to say and wh where this is going. That's, that's your piece absolutely adheres and, and, and feeds into that, that goal. And we, we want people who are listening to this interview to know that when we when we say we want something that's going to hold us against the wall and make us really listen to what's being said, really look at what's being shown, that's what we mean. Well, I, I definitely uh, appreciate that, and I, I see how that you know can can be helpful. Um, I do the same thing with uh, with my journal, so it, it, it's always uh, not only uh, encouraging, but and in, in, in some days it can be breathtaking. You could be looking at twenties, twenty, thirty, twenty-five. 30 countries just in one day who have checked out what the work was and, and had comments and, you know, and, and of course uh, brought their um, two cents, as they used to say, you know, into into the, the collective uh, debate about what we want to talk about uh, uh, in our lives and in, in the world. And uh, I, I found the, the funny thing, if you want to call it a funny thing, is that I used to, because I've been fortunate to travel around the world, uh, being a, somebody that used to be in the Air Force. And in a war, so I know something about uh, travel around the world, and I used to always think that when that Egyptian poet would send me something, I'm going to hear about the the pharaohs, and I'm going to hear about the pyramids, and maybe we're going to talk about ancient aliens or something really clever, and, and then you find out he's just talking about some girl that broke his heart, and, and, and it automatically <laughs> brings you back to the truth that. Uh, most of the times, regardless of what culture we're in, we're all living a, a pretty similar life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how good is it? How wonderful is it that that's that's one of those things that underlies. It's right underneath the top layer, which is that we're getting these submissions, we're getting these hits from all over the world. We'll get a submission from this country or that country out of the United States. We'll get views from Canada. We'll get views from someplace in Spain or in Denmark or in London. Um, in the UK, something like that, and then what we're getting to when we when we read the submissions, when we see the the visual art pieces and the flash fiction, um, it's this is this is all one experience. Even if it's even if it's not our own personal experience, we can connect to it. We find that people are being really careful to make sure that they're sending us work where there is that connection that we can actually feel and see. It's demonstrated. It's demonstrated in the work. Um, you know, your your work, Mark. Anybody else that that we're we're submitting, we're seeing that there's that connection, and that somebody has been really careful to make sure that it's that it's not a lot of work has to be done to see that connection. We like obviously craft is a huge part of this, and we want that craft. We want evidence of the craft, 
Um, there's that old saying, um, hide your work, I think it is, in, in math and show your work in writing or vice versa. We want to see um, the final evidence of all the work that you did. I, I, I really like that, and uh, and I'm, it's so great to talk to a, uh, an editor that is as eloquent and, and understands uh, from not only a humanitarian standpoint, but just from an artistic standpoint about what the other side is, is you know is going through and what you should expect from them and what they might be able to expect from you, which is uh, uh, probably more of a conversation than that has been had on this than in the past. And I'm so glad the show can allow this, and I like to definitely see uh, more of that, uh, not only with you folks in the future, but with you know with others as well. Uh, Leanne, I'd like to ask you because just as an editor. Uh, I have a, a small team of editors around the world that help me with the magazines that I'm dealing with. I have one who's a woman as well, but um, she does so much of a translation in an international uh, way of, about her that she's not really focusing as much on, on the woman as an artist. But have you ever thought about that when you're doing this magazine about what you might be looking at as other women and what they might be bringing to the table? Oh, when women, when women submit yes. uh, work? Um, I, I just get thrilled that, that they're doing it. <laughs> um, I, uh, when I, when I read their pieces, I actually, and if it, and if, and if I like it, I actually submit their work to Rich, uh, blind. So I don't, I don't put the author's names. I, I, we have a shared Google doc and I put them in a Google doc and I do it blind. So I'm the only one that actually sees the names until they're published and then he sees who wrote them. But, um, I, I, I love it when I'm not really, uh, obviously not particular to any gender, any genders, uh, just great. It's just great to get really good work in general. So I'm, I'm mostly looking at the work and, um, that's really it. <laughs> I'll piggyback on that and say that, it, it, especially since, the, and that's that distillery process we talked about earlier, where it goes through Leanne's eyes first mm -hmm. in the in the shared doc, and then the very best of what she gets, I get to pick the best of the best of that. Uh, however, I think it's it's always a plus to be able to give voice to voices that are usually kind of put down a little bit in a mm -hmm. general sense. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd it would, I'm grateful for the privilege of being able to give uh, women writers a voice, uh, whereas especially since historically uh, women have, had, have been made to have to clamber up the hill a little harder, have had to race along the track a little faster, have had to climb up the rope uh, using more muscle because things have been the, – the playing field has always been kind of favored towards uh, men and, and white men in particular. So finding out that we're giving voice to – of women, maybe women of color as well, um, giving a little bit of our way of sort of helping to even that playing field is, is fantastic. It's an honor. It's a privilege. I don't know how. On other genders, too. I, 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 sh I should just one little amendment to my last remark, too. In other genders, too, we're not trying to just we're not trying to buttress up and back up the um, uh, the gender binary there We're we're open to we and we we support. Uh, the entire spectrum of gender. Gotcha. I, I just found it unusual, that's all, because, uh, I don't know, maybe the last year and a half or so, it seemed like we were skewing more to women writers, and I just wonder if it's just because of we're willing to publish more because the work is just good, period, like like uh, Leanne said. 
You know, because I don't really, like, pick out somebody. She's a woman, let me throw her in there. And it works still has to be good. But I think when people see more of those examples that you have now, you know, uh, put your money where your mouth is, they feel a little bit more comfortable about submitting to a publication than earlier on when I first started where I literally had women saying, you know, I, I don't know if you understand the poem, you're a guy. I mean, instead of being insulted about it, which, you know, it's kind of an unusual thing to hear, uh, you start understanding about, yeah, I guess somebody could be a little, you know, um, apprehensive about that because they don't know if the rejection is coming because the quality of your work is not there or just because you don't have a gender understanding of where they're coming from and therefore won't publish it because you don't understand it. I get that. That's, that's, a, that's a great thing to bring up, Mark. We're, we're grateful that we're given this opportunity to bring really great work to bonfire and yeah top of that the top shelf is is the craft there is this really good work is it actually good work is it great work is it work that desperately needs to be read or seen that's that's the top it's just extra it's gravy and it's 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 such an extra privilege and a reward that it so happens that we're also in a, in addition to the fact that it's great work happens to be uh when we when we get an opportunity to share work from uh, members of different communities that may have been heard a little less in times past. What a, what a privilege it is to be able to do that. Yes, most definitely. Well, it's definitely exciting that you, you guys uh, have noticed that and, and, and of course, uh, done whatever you can to, to, to respond you know, uh, to it. Because uh, I, I used to feel, and I don't feel that anymore, but I used to feel when I started editing that I, I felt a little uh, you know, a fish out of water in some instances because I'm like, well, I don't know what I'm doing with this guy from Africa and what he's trying to say, or what is this woman trying to say? I mean, am I going to be the best judge of that? And and sometimes that's a fair way to look at things, and other times it's just about, well, the craft is there, and, and, and I'm definitely hearing something that, that's important being said. Do I really need to be, you know, the, the person that understands everything that, that's being written out there? And you find out, no, you, you, you don't have to, because sometimes you just have to trust and, and have some faith and put it out there and, and with the understanding that maybe someone in the audience is going to make that connection. You don't always have to. Yes, that's how I think of it, too. Yeah, there's a parallel there that it, it strikes – it comes to mind now. I, I think about this um, the story that uh, – or this sort of metaphor that uh, the late Frank Zappa w would talk about how um, old-time record execs would have no idea what they were hearing. But they would, their attitude was, well, who knows? Let's just put it out there. It's, it's probably good. Who knows? I have no idea what that is. When they'd hear these new bands that were doing some really outrageous music, and they were coming from a fairly conservative, uh, really, really conservative background, and they would get these, these uh, bands that would be in their studios, and even though they themselves didn't, quote-unquote, get it, they were behind the idea of at least giving it a chance. Let's put it out there. Let's see. I don't know. Who knows? Let's put it out there. And Zappa's contention um, was that that was a a much healthier mindset than the record execs that would say things like and, and have the mindset of, well, I don't know. I know what the audience wants. I'm not going to sign Band X because, trust me, I know all about it. So I'm going to I'm going to have put encourage and support this other band over here that happens to confirm with what what I think I know. And we're, we're really aware that, uh, like how we have on our submit page, that we want the weird and, and the beautiful 
Um, we're aware that that is very subjective depending on the culture and the person. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could probably say you something that, you know, you might think so weird, but uh, it could be like, I don't know, maybe normal to them or standard for where they come from. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking I, yeah, I'll get and, that and now I, and then. <laughs> we, we want people to look at that that submission, those submission guidelines, and and that's a jump off point too, right? It's a starting off point. What do you, what how do what do you think about what we said? Think about spooky. Think about surreal and dreamy, and go from there. That's those are those are the starting blocks for your race to getting out to a bonfire. Well, I really really appreciate you having you guys on, on board uh, about this the new publication, uh, Bonfire Lit. Um, if you guys want to talk maybe a little bit about, um, you know, its link and its email or, or you know, generally uh, about sort of things that you've been looking for or I don't know if you have a, a certain uh, a bi-monthly or, or quarterly schedule, you know, things like that people would want to hear about. Um, the link is bonfirelit.com and that's uh, bombfire, not not bonfire. <laughs> <laughs> it's the other one. Um and the email is bombfirelit at gmail.com. And on our website, we do have a submit page and an about page. It's all on there. Um, and we update biweekly. The next update is November 7th. So it's every two weeks, every Saturday. Wow, that's pretty awesome. I, I do a monthly, and that's enough work. I can't even think about biweekly. and i'll say i'd like to add to that too that it's we are really so grateful for all the support that we've got so far we can hardly believe that in the in the scant time the small amount of time that bonfire has existed the response has been as large and as as supportive and as generous as it's been this the, the genesis of this was something that was so simple and it, it magnified and just extrapolated and grew from from very, very humble notion to where we're at now. And we, we really look forward to uh, future contributions and future opportunities to share uh, really ignited work with the world. Well, I'm definitely excited that you guys are out there, not only because you accepted my piece, but in general because – Many people who who write flash fiction will will tell you that there appears to be so many markets out for it, but in many instances they're, they're looking for things that don't jump at you, that seem uh, quite commercial, maybe even seem uh, less than than conversational or or, or, or even conventional. It, it's almost like they they lay flat on the screen or on the page. And I get mm-hmm. them in sometimes. I have to tell them, listen, this is, doesn't seem to have any life to it. But lots of publications seem to want that or seem to accept that. So when you find somebody that doesn't, somebody's willing to go beyond that and, and take it to a, a, another place like you guys do, I, I really think you, you, you're going to be uh, causing a, a groundswell of people wanting to support you, wanting to send the work out there, wanting to read that as well because – uh, for many of us that practice that form of, of flash fiction, it, it, it's what we find the most fascinating. Mm-hmm. We want to be slapped across the face with words. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I view it. 
Le- Leanne's a hell of a marketer over here. She don't play around. <laughs> She's not messing about at all. And, really... and we want that slap to be, and we want the slap to be a, a well-drafted, carefully considered slap. <laughs> for sure. That's right, folks. You, you still have to be literary, okay? You just can't go, uh, you know, street on this thing. You have to actually have a little <laughs> bit of craft to it as well. Okay? That's it. That's it. it, it show... Uh, Show your work in the math, but hide it in in the uh, in the writing. That's it. We we uh, of course we're not looking for math because um, unless <laughs> maybe maybe the writing is about math. Maybe we find something exciting about mathematics. Who knows? Or you could just say if you're gonna punch them, make sure you have a nice dress on or a Tom <laughs> Ford suit or something, okay? Because they, they 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 go, they want to get hit yeah. with some class too. All right. There it is. Nailed it. I think you nailed it. Yeah, seconding that. You only get a chance to uh, make a first impression once, so so come come with your best on. Well, I I, I love that, and I think you guys are great. You you really have a wonderful combination of, of doing what you're doing by by being responsive, by being what quite frankly responsible, uh, and and you know without trying to sound like a businessman, uh, I I tell people all the time they start these magazines. It sure would be nice if you actually found something that people want to check out and then you automatically hit the ground running why do something that 10,000 other people are doing why not do something that's slightly different and it makes it it makes a difference you know and it's fun and we want other people to have fun submitting and just want we don't want it to be a a, a nervous process well I, i already told a few people privately about you but when i hear the show i'm sure there'll be a lot more people that you know, the one to send and check it out. Because I know a lot of people that, you know, they write the the so-called uh, hard-hitting uh, flash fiction pieces. And they want to be able to be considered just as much as, as the girl that wants to write about her dead cat. Or, or the dog that ran away when she was six. Or, or her grandmother's dying of a disease that none of us know how to pronounce. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those stories. But quite frankly, we've heard all of that already. Can we do something a little bit different? And that's why it's really important for what you folks are doing out there. Because... It gives us writers uh, that that are doing that, you know, some hope that somebody out there additionally cares to what we're doing, other than just ourselves and our uncle and you know our wives. <laughs> it's kind of like it goes back to something you said. Uh, that's a great point, Mark. It's it does circle back to something you'd mentioned uh, several moments earlier in the interview that we're doing now about whether we want to actually build up or do we want to tear down, and that it's, it's, it's a bottom line choice. Do we want to build up or do we want to tear down? For us, we want to build up and we want to do that with the weird, the surreal, the gloomy, the beautiful, and the dreamy and carefully crafted so. Uh, but underneath it all, it's, it's we're, we're pushing up, we're building up. That's what we want and we what, what we want to do uh, versus tearing down. Well, I had, I had done... Um... A, uh, a classic spotlight series, and I try to do it on certain authors that really fascinate me. So I did one on Clive Barker, and and it was he was Ooh. he was kind enough to actually respond to me in person, and 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 told me how much he loved the show, and it even got on like a, a list of podcasts about Clive Barker. It was like on the, in the top ten of any of the anyone who produced anything about him, and uh, we had, we had talked a little bit because I explained to him uh, how I read his books when I was in in Saudi Arabia in the war. And, and believe it or not, his books of blood were really popular, which is ironic because I'm like, you know, we're over there trying not to get killed. Maybe you have to kill somebody, blood everywhere, and then you're writing about blood. So I don't know why we were so fascinated, but we like to 
what he was trying to do and what he was trying to say in such a modern uh, way. And I, I had mentioned to him, I said, I, I also like the concept that you did where you had a, um, they, they wind up uh, naming it uh, Nightbreed as a movie, but you, you, you brought the concept of what if we had a world where the monsters are actually decent and it's the regular people that are bigots. And I liked how he, he trains that around because it allows us to examine a number of things, even a number of our own prejudices or preconceptions. So it's sometimes when we take ourselves out of our own skins, we get to see a lot more. And he was really, really good on, on doing that. And uh, he was also one of the first horror writers I ever knew that actually actively wrote things that, about being gay in a horror story, which you don't normally see. It's mm -hmm. usually a very straight uh, form, so to speak. And uh, we talked about that a little bit as well. And it was just uh, fascinating because, again, there's somebody doing horror stories, but it, it's having a, a psychological and even a, a social impact, even if he's not purposely trying to do that. Sometimes it just comes out because you're tapping into something that other people really haven't talked about before. To me, that's how I look at Bonfire and, and, and magazines out there that do things that it's like we've all been wishing all along that should be done, and they're finally here. Well, to have Bonfire be compared to Clive Barker is is unbelievably humbling. <laughs> so I'm a huge Clive Barker fan, um, and I understand what you're saying, and and that's uh, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> he's a he's a real wonderful fellow, and, and I like the the chat we had, and you know I, I couldn't believe how um, this regular Joe down the street kind of guy was. He wasn't. He wasn't talking like he came from Oxford. He was just a regular guy, but uh, he he knew what he was doing, and uh, he was he was grateful for what he's received in terms of attention and, and awards and stuff like that. He feels very uh very fortunate. But I uh, I mentioned to him, um, I think a couple of times because I was almost like a like a fan giddy kind of kid, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I said that you know as far as I'm concerned, he earned it because. Um, up until that point, I always felt that horror it seemed so like, if not bland, almost comic book-like. And it's nice to see somebody doing horror that had a little bit of a thinking to it and a little bit of a literary sense to it. And that's really mm -hmm. what the kind of spin he brought to it that we needed. Yes, I agree. What a great thing it is to have uh, such a personal response to Mark. I can imagine that must have been a thrill. You know, when you when you meet somebody, you have that quote-unquote, brush with fame, and you find out that the person is really, really down to earth, and they don't, they're don't they not levitating two inches off the ground. They're, they're just like you in some ways, uh, and they're human. Uh, it's got to be really encouraging and inspiring to, to have that experience. I've, I've, met a few, uh, I've met a few people who were um, generally pretty famous um, who, when I did meet them, they were super down to earth, and that – that feeling that you get when you meet somebody who's supportive and they're, and they, and they're encouraging in some way um, is really just another block on the path for you. They, they just put a stone on the path for you so you can take the next step forward, and it, it's a great feeling. I had I met – years ago I got to meet um, Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. Yes. He'd come to speak um, at a college near where I was going to college, and he was kind enough to record a, um, a bumper for a talk show I was doing at the – the college radio station and we got to talk and turns out his actual last name is the same one as mine. We got to have a little personal conversation and instead of, and he was actually, this is after he did a speaking engagement. He could have just gone back to the hotel room, but he was kind enough to give me, 
even five minutes was was amazing. So I, that really resonates with me that you got to meet uh, Clive, and and that he was so supportive and just down to earth with you. It's it's so encouraging. Him and Harlan Ellison, but I, to be honest with you, um, it's hard to talk or meet anyone that uh, that I admire anyway, because most of them are dead, <laughs> and so it's kind of difficult, you know. Yeah. Uh, so when you have anybody else that that's possibly out there still, you know, it, it's tr- truly a, a, an amazing uh, gift. And uh, although I did get to speak to uh, Carolyn Sterling, uh, Rod Sterling's widow, and uh, that was that was kind of neat because she she really kept on the the flame on there. We did a show on on them not, not too long ago, so if you guys get a chance to check that out, uh, another important writer that deliberately was the social writer, but um. I, I really appreciate everything you guys are, are doing. I, I really do. It, to me, it, it's it's so encouraging, not only as a writer, but even as an editor, that you got some folks out there that they have some like-minded opinions, that they are trying to put their best foot forward, and, and, and that they, they consider not just the writing, which a lot of people do, but also the writer, which is what I always tell mm-hmm. the, the, the writing, uh, my editing group all the time. It's like, guys, it's I know it's all about the writing, but guess what? It's also about a writer, too. Can we not forget them every so often you know and yes. and i think sometimes that can get done in in the mix of things or or because we we take it a uh as a job instead of a you know a calling or, or or we just look at it as a you know any old thing you do like uh like arts and crafts or something but no it, it is something special because like you had mentioned uh, leanne you know you are dealing with with, with real people and, and and that's a real part of their life and if they're committing that into your hands, you should at least give it some, you know, the minimum of respect, if not more. Mhm. And we we plan to do that from here on out. That won't change. I I, I don't I don't doubt it. I know you're you're hearing that, folks, and and so you know we got we got another wonderful publication out there that really takes writing and and writers seriously, and 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 are trying to do. You know their their best to, to bring work out that we all can uh, read and, and enjoy for for many years to come. That's Bonfire Lit. That would be uh, Leanne Denman and Rich uh, Boucher Boucher Boucher. Because I remember Cher, Sonny and Cher. Um, yep. To to the editors for this uh, for this publication uh, agreed to come on to the show so we could do something really interesting and uh, and definitely uh, unique and and hoping to do more of it with them and others to come. It would be great to do this on the more regular basis because i really think that you know it, it speaks to to the art and, and the literature and the writing that we're all wanting to read and we're all wanting to to do and, and even get published it as editors but uh, it also means that like i constantly talk about that writers don't help enough of other writers and editors should be doing their part in that as well and it, it, i really think that it, we can make uh, the world better and especially the writing world better you know if we just took that to heart a little bit i mean you can't do everything and no one's asking you to do so but i i really think that you can clean a city if everybody was just sweeping their sidewalk you don't have to sweep everybody's sidewalk if everybody just swept their sidewalk you got you got you got a clean city there it's not that difficult really you know so it's really That's it's true. really the same thing i mean so share share this show with others, share what, what they're doing out there as well. Check it out yourself. You know, tell others the people about it so they can, you know, they can give it a shot as well and check some of the stuff that's that's in there because you're going to find that weird doesn't mean that you're going to be turned off about it. 
weird just simply means that you haven't read that before and it's probably something that you should read because uh, again i love cats and dogs but how many times can i read stories about them i'd like to read something that's different too and that's what bonfire is doing we are so grateful mark this has been a great experience i i want to just quickly add to not just uh uh, and I don't – not to take this into a, a long tangent, I'll make it brief, but also we also want people to know that they come to Bonfire also to see some great visual art. And we want to um, just make a quick mention that um, we're, we love what we're getting for visual art, and that's another dimension to people's experience when they visit Bonfire. It's not just going to be combination of words or poems or stanzas or flash fiction or, flash fiction or strange stories. Guess what? You've also got some great visual art on there to, to think about, to really visually absorb and walk away from it and, and carry that with you. Mm-hmm. So we're and we're grateful to be able to put, um, take an extra dimension and throw it into Bombfire for for uh, spectators and readers to enjoy. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, I didn't mean to miss that, but it's not really my strong suit. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, happy to do it. We we're um, we're just so thrilled for this, and Mark, and it's fantastic talking with you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you for agreeing to this. I really think that it, it's a. Uh, a, a good message for, for people out there, uh, editors, writers, uh, everyone out there that's, that's fascinating with all of this to hear and, and, and to enjoy. And, of course, it's a podcast, folks, which means that if you miss anything, uh, you can always, you know, go right back to it. That's one of the things I like so much about this form is it, it's not like something you have to rush to record. It's recorded already. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to worried about your schedule you can listen to it in pieces until you're done you wouldn't believe how many people do these things uh, i got people to listen to it when they when they're in the gym or in the, in the car going to school or on the bus coming from college it, it's because of all the different technology that can be used to listen to it so there's so much we can we can do to fit this into our lives and then eventually of course fit bonfire in our lives so that's that's really what this is all about Folks, thank you very much. And, folks, thank you for supporting the show. I cannot believe how we went from, like, 50 listeners to, like, 7,000, you know, in, in just a year. And, and now we're going beyond that. So it's a, it's incredible that we have so many people from so many countries listening. Uh, some folks that uh, this is the first time they even listen to a podcast. Some that say that they don't even know that there's a lot of literary podcasts out there. They just thought podcasts was about people talking about sports and news and, and basket weaving. No, we could talk about books and, and writing too. And there's nothing wrong with any of those other things. But guess what? There's probably less than 100 literary podcasts on the planet. I'm not kidding you. Where There's probably 10,000 sports shows. So, you know, you can do a couple of sports shows, but don't forget about literature. Don't forget about the things that you remember your own mother or father reading to you. Because when you become an adult and you think you're going to become cynical, literature is going to bring you back to where you're supposed to be at. It's going to remind you of your your love for your wife. It's going to remind you of your love for your country. It might even remind you about your love for life, period, because we can't always get that from the media. We're not always going to get that from a podcast, but a good book, it could save a life. I'll tell you that now. All right, folks, God bless, and thank you, folks, for joining us. You have a good evening, and good night. You too. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.